Welcome to the Catalyst Church Podcast. We're here up in Humboldt County, California. We're glad you're with us. We hope that you're blessed and that you find peace and grace in the Word of God today. Hi, friends. I am just so glad that you're here with us today on this Palm Sunday uh, gathering on YouTube. And I'm just really thankful that we can celebrate the Lord's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Um, one of my first jobs that I ever had was a lifeguard. I lifeguarded at a pool that was, um, it was the same pool that I swam three hours a day at on swim team, my all growing up years. Um, and as a lifeguard in the winter time, it was like no big deal. I'd be like bundled up on the side of the, the pool deck and being rained on when people are doing lap swim and that sort of thing. But then um, during the summertime, it would get so crowded and there would, there would be children everywhere. And we would have like six or seven lifeguards on duty at one time because it was quite a lot to take care of all of these other children. I don't know where parents were. There's a lot of rules when it comes to pool activity. And one of the rules that was broken all the time was the no running rule. Don't run on the pool deck. But these rules were put in place not because we were wanting to be like, a fun killer or something like that. We, these were rules to put in place because we wanted to keep people safe. We wanted to make sure that they had a wonderful time and that they went home to their families at the end of the, end of the day. So the not running on the pool deck was just something to keep kids safe. But they'd be breaking it all the time. And no matter how many times I blew my whistle, no matter how many times I yelled, stop running or walk, please, no matter how many like kind and polite ways I communicated this rule to kids, it's like it, they just weren't able to listen or take any kind of advice from me whatsoever. Uh, and so one time I found that if I yelled, run faster when they were running, they would totally pause. They'd be super confused. They would look up at me and start walking. <laughs> Sometimes telling the truth of what is instead of what I want is the right kind of disruption to make us pause and reflect and obey. Telling the truth of what is instead of not what I necessarily want the outcome to be. This is a way that makes us pay attention differently. And Palm Sunday tells us the truth of what is. It forces us to pay attention differently to what Jesus was doing and how Jesus was interacting with everyone in the world right before his crucifixion. So today's the start of Holy Week, Palm Sunday, Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. This is truth telling in the most raw and stripped down way possible. Just before we get to today's passage, Jesus is surrounded by crowds of people. These are not just his disciples. These are also curious. These are devoted. They are hopeful. Some are healed. Some are um, just curious what's going to happen next. But most of the people in the crowd, including the disciples, are desperate for truth. 
Now, some may have wondered if this was just a regular prophet. Other people were hoping maybe this was the Messiah, the one who would rescue Israel from the oppression and the superpowers of empire and their occupation that was incredibly violent and, and, and very disarming for Israel. But this crowd is slowly making its way towards Jerusalem from Jericho. It's an 18 mile journey and there's quite a few of them there already. And there's a story that happens right before we get to this Palm Sunday story that we'll get to today in Mark chapter 11. But this is a story about this man who was blind from birth. He's been sitting on the side of the road. His name is Timaeus. Uh, they call him Bar Timaeus because the word Bar means son of. So he's Timaeus's kid. And, and he's sitting by this road. He has, he's only known as, as his father's name. He heard Jesus coming and passing him near him and, and, and he calls out for Jesus. And this is what he says in chapter 10 of Mark. It says, when they were coming to Jerusalem, as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more. The word shout in Greek is crazo, like crazy, like incredibly disruptive. And he says, son of David, have mercy on me. He says, I need to see Jesus. Jesus says, what is it that you want? And he says, I need to see. And it says, it, it, it says, Rabbi, I want to see. And then Jesus says, go in verse 52, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Now I can imagine Jesus is surrounded not only with his disciples, but this huge crowd and now this healed blind man I can imagine whispered and excited conversation buzzing around like electricity after this man who was just healed announced who Jesus was and Jesus didn't refute him. What did he say? Son of David. This man is calling out Jesus' kingship, his Messiah, messianic language in that moment. He announces Jesus' kingship because he could finally see the truth. This is such an important detail that oftentimes we look over when we go into Palm Sunday. How else would this crowd have shouted these things about Jesus' kingship walking into Jerusalem if not for a blind man who needed to see? The truth there allowed him to see. So I want to read Mark 11, 1 to 11. You're welcome to read with me. I'm reading from the NIV and you can follow along in your own Bible or you can just close your eyes and receive. This is a passage that is incredibly familiar. So I, I ask that you come before this passage with fresh eyes. Maybe the Lord has something really clear for your heart and a word for you this morning as we read this. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. Just as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, 
why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it and we'll send it back here shortly. I love the detail of Jesus saying to disciples, you know, when, when he sends out the disciples into, um, to share the good news, to go into the villages and share who Jesus was, he sent two at a time as well. We are not meant to do life alone. They went and they found a colt outside in the street, tied at, the, at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, that word shouted, we just heard with Bartimaeus. It is that exact same word, that crazy desperation kind of a word, totally disruptive. They shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. May the Lord add a blessing to this reading. Thanks be to God. When Jesus began his ministry, he first announced for people to repent and believe the good news that God's kingdom was arriving. Repent means to pay attention. It's like the sense of like, there's some truth coming at you. So start looking at it differently. Start paying attention, open your eyes to see like you're going the wrong direction, turn around and come back from the way that you were. It means to be aware of the ways that you're living and turn your attention back to God's ways of shalom, of wholeness, um, of goodness for all and a sense of trusting in God's presence. And it was no accident that Jesus used this sort of language when announcing God's kingdom because Jesus didn't announce God's family or uh, repent for God's community is at hand. Like this group is arriving, so get ready. Like th that language is good. I mean, it's fine and, and it means a lot to us. It's very truthful, of course, but it isn't radical. It isn't subversive. It isn't disruptive enough with what God was doing through Jesus Christ it doesn't have the same kind of teeth against empire. If we say to the powers of this world, to the empires of this world, towards oppressive powers and corrupt powers, that a community group is arriving, there's no teeth there. That doesn't, that doesn't cause a sense of excitement. God's kingdom. This simple phrase revealed an alternative to the empires, an alternative to the monarchies and powers of this world. Everything God did through Jesus Christ was opposite to what we would deem as successful or mighty from being born into straw poverty with the scandal of his birth following him throughout his entire ministry to being killed as an insurrectionist on a public execution platform, everything that God did through Jesus Christ, everything that Jesus did as God in flesh on this world was subversively against the powers and principalities. 
and it wasn't a herald. It wasn't some sort of prime time special that shifted people's perspectives about who Jesus was. It was a blind man who was able to pay attention to a different kind of kingdom that was breaking forth around him. It was a desperate man who was able to finally see the truth differently. Palm Sunday is the start of where we see a more obvious example of two kingdoms start to clash against each other. There's the kingdom of empire and military might and an of oppression that is juxtaposed against the kingdom of peace and grace and love. And it begins at the start of Passover, this Passover week where Jesus and his disciples and a crowd of impoverished and poor, healed, formerly blind women and children and other people arrive into Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem was a city. It's a big city. It has a lot of uh, divine meaning to the people of Israel. And even for Christians today, it has such important meaning to all of us. But it is a city of around, at this time, of around 40,000 people. Um, but with Passover happening, the amount of pilgrims and travelers would balloon the city to about 200,000 people or more. And because Passover is historically a celebration of Israel's rescue out of Egypt, slavery in Egypt, away from the, the oppressive powers that kept them back, held them down, um, there was always this concern that the Jews would turn on Rome and revolt. So Rome, who occupied and ruled over Israel, would send whomever they had in charge of that area into Jerusalem. And with that person in charge, they would also arrive with about a thousand troops to police the city and to keep the peace. On the Sunday, this Palm Sunday that we celebrate, it is incredibly likely that Pilate, who is the Roman official that's in charge of Jerusalem, appointed by Rome, would be arriving into Jerusalem from the east, out of the Mediterranean area. He had a summer home and, and a palace in a place called Caesarea. He would be showing up on his war horse wearing robes with the details of his official capacity and the backing of Roman power behind him. Pilate's garrison would be marching before and behind him. There were horses, there was men and weapons and armor, there was noise and flags and dust and everyone would have known that Pilate was arriving from miles away. Within this legion held intimidation, severe threat of violence should anyone cause to try to just start a rebellion or if anything got out of hand. So Pilate would be arriving with more fanfare than we could possibly ever imagine. Now on the other side, on the opposite side of Jerusalem coming from that area of Jericho came a different sort of parade and noise where Jesus arrived on a donkey with the poor, marginalized, and forgotten before and behind him. Nothing would be adorning Jesus to prove who he was to others because he already knew who he was. 
He was confident in his identity. He knew his mission. He knew God's kingdom would always stand up to and against Roman imperial power or any other kind of oppressive power that causes marginalized, poor, and ignored people to suffer. Palm Sunday shows us two different kinds of kingdoms, my friends. A kingdom of intimidation and a kingdom of inclusion. Palm Sunday shows us the difference being if Pilate arrived in a tank and Jesus rides in on a 10-speed bike. One represents power and fear and the other represents peace and kindness. And that juxtaposition was one that demonstrated God's ruling looks opposite of human ruling. There is a difference there that can never be fully known. Jesus was showing an alternative kind of kingdom where instead of Roman power and violence and money bringing political change, peace and kindness and justice could move mountains because the power of the Holy Spirit is behind that mission. Every action Jesus did was intentional. He restored people to community while he was alive, to belonging, to inclusion, regardless of powers and principalities. I think Jesus knew that there was a deeper truth in this world, that no matter how unkind or horrific or abusive power is, even the power that threatens your very life, there is a deeper truth of love in the world. Love that has more power than anything else. Love that has the power to save. This Palm Sunday, it reveals a type of power that is beyond anything that our human bodies, our human minds, our human infrastructure could ever fight against. Love is something, as cliche as it is, love truly conquers all. And the truth is, the truth is, is that we've been desperate for saving for a long time, friends. And I feel it more now than I've ever felt it before. There's like this truth that we are dying and we are broken. And honestly, sometimes when I look at the way that Jesus approached Jerusalem in the midst of, of, of just horrible oppression, in the midst of people that, are, that were just so desperate longing for change, longing for things to be made right, longing for their loved ones to come back to life. Sometimes I look at the way that Jesus approached Jerusalem and that week ahead, and I'm a little disappointed. I'm just a little disappointed in the way that Christ showed up because things haven't been made right. Thousands of people are dying every day from COVID-19. There are mass shootings. There are tornadoes and climate change and cancer and immigration and racism and things just keep feeling undone around us that makes us cry out, Hosanna, save us. 
deliver us, make it right, right now. Man, friends, that word Hosanna, my whole life, I thought Hosanna meant praise be to God. I thought it meant the same thing as hallelujah. We sing it. We raise our palm branches. We, we wave flags in the air. We celebrate with words of Hosanna like we're throwing a parade or a party. Hosanna isn't hallelujah. Hosanna isn't praise. It isn't worship. Hosanna isn't balloons and snow cones and parades with streamers and fireworks and a marching band. That is not Hosanna. Hosanna is desperation. It means deliver us, save us. Hosanna is crying mothers and frenzied shouts. That word, sh that, that word they shouted Hosanna is that word crazy. Hosanna is truth telling in the most raw form, vulnerable and exposed truth. Hosanna holds nothing back. It isn't wrapped in bubble wrap and sensitive to another person's emotional state. Hosanna isn't afraid of hurting someone's feelings or manipulating a situation. Hosanna is a brokenness. It is at the end of your rope. It is boldly demanding that things are finally made right because we've had enough. Friends, Palm Sunday isn't a day for palm branches and parades. It is a day of protests with signs and chanting of our needs. It's saying we need it right now. It's saying no justice, no peace. It's saying black lives matter. It means holding up signs with our desperate cries that things aren't right in the world and we need Christ to come and make it right. It is a day that we cry out our broken and our bold Hosanna in the craziest and obscene fashion and trust that Christ is with us in our broken Hosanna. It is a day when we speak truth to power, defenseless and unarmed. Palm Sunday reveals the truth of what is and the hope of what can come. It doesn't hold all the answers, my friends. But it reveals our need for Christ to make things right. And so we come shouting, demanding in the craziest form Hosanna, save us. We need you now, Christ Jesus. Holy Week starts today with desperate and crazy, truthful shouts of what we need. Jesus doesn't belittle or shame the crowd who protested the injustice and boldly spoke against the oppressive powers. Jesus joined into their protests by upending everything from religious institutions to violent objects of death. He spent his last days making a mockery of Roman power and religious obligation. 
He spent his last days demonstrating what love looks like, that love like this conquers all. Because the truth is that God's love isn't contained in temples or church buildings. The truth is that God's love isn't prosperity gospel or flashy advertisements making you join a crowd. The truth is God's love is found usually in the most desperate places with the most desperate people who are desperate to see. The truth is God's love comes riding into every fortified and occupied place in the most defenseless way. The truth is my friends, God's love shows up in our desperation and with a broken, disappointed and hopeful Hosanna. And we will continue forth in that same love. As we start Holy Week together, peace and grace to you, my friends. Amen.